The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio Show. Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management has offices in Bend, Eugene, and John Day, serving clients from all over the Northwest. Give us a call today for your free retirement review. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he is Josh spicoli Finelli. And we get that gets Tim every time. We're partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Uh, so the bill is coming due, or maybe the bond market is saying the bill is coming due. The U.S. has already issued 1.76 trillion in net Treasury securities through the month of September, on pace for over two trillion by year's end. That's going to trail only 2020 for the largest net debt issuance in the history of the United States. Rising debt and interest rates is a troubling combination, and the bill is starting to come due. This is the thing that makes me the most worried. The interest expense on U.S. public debt rose to $883 billion over the last year, another record high. If it continues to increase at the current pace, it will soon be the largest line item in the federal budget, surpassing Social Security. You heard that right. We will soon be paying a trillion dollars in interest just to service the debt. Not paying anything back, just to service the debt. So uh, we in this country have become very comfortable with debt. We had a president who was really comfortable with debt, uh, but as a country, we're really comfortable with debt. And it's not good. Uh, it, I don't think this is a sign of things to come, but um, Argentina, uh, their central bank hiked interest rates by 1,500 basis points last week <laughs> to 133%. I'm not even joking. That number by itself is sort of unfathomable, but even more unbelievable. It's actually lower than the reported inflation rate in Argentina, which is 138%. A century ago, Argentina was one of the richest countries in the world. Today, after decades of money, money printing, you hear that, Janet Yellen? Deficit spending, you hear that, Janet Yellen? Political instability, instability you hear that, House Republicans? And federal socialist policies, you hear that, uh, Democratic Party? Uh, uh, they have hyperinflation, and nearly 40% of the population is living in poverty. The currency, the peso, is now devalued so quickly that workers are in a race against time from the moment they are paid, uh, rushing to either spend it or convert it to U.S. dollars. Um, so hopefully the upcoming presidential election, I think it's this weekend actually, it's the 22nd, will finally lead to positive change. The leading candidate in Argentina in most polls is Javier Millet, a libertarian economist. He's calling to abolish the central bank dollarizing the economy, private, privatize your state-owned enterprises, and reduce regulations on businesses. Do you remember uh, right before the pandemic when the desperation for income was so intense that Argentina was issuing century bonds and people were buying them? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember I do, that? I do. It's such a funny concept. And they were like... They're yielding somewhere. I, I remember the coupon was like seven and a half or something, and it was just. <laughs> oh, that's so laughable. But and yeah. I think, you know, that was just three and a half short years ago that uh, people were that desperate for income because interest rates were so low that you were willing to. There was uptakers on a seven and a half percent century bond, bond. Yeah, I mean, from the country of but Argentina. But remember, that just for all of you people that are voting, remember that 100 years ago, Argentina was one of the most wealthy company, countries in the world per capita, and they did a lot of the things that we're doing in this country and uh, not going so well for them I right mean, now. I mean, when you look at the political dysfunction and the willingness of either party to really turn, close the spigot, it's just like... The inevitable conclusion is higher taxes in one form or the other. You know, remember that the Trump tax cuts start to sunset in 2025. So for a lot of people out there, especially small business owners, your tax liability is going to go up in you know, a year and a half, regardless of whether or not Congress does anything. But 
uh, that's the inevitable conclusion I think for most people out there is just expect to pay more, uh, pay your more of your fair share <laughs> in the decade to come. My favorite statement, your fair share. And, you know, government to me is not the best capital allocator that exists out there. Uh, and so, but that's the choice, choices that are being made and it's being done on a bipartisan basis. All right. Well, let's talk about an invention from the great mind of one Mr. Michael Milken. Uh, so th these bonds, uh, when they, so I, I, we want to talk about high yield bonds. When they when they came out, they were called junk bonds, uh, but now you know the financial services industry says we can't call something junk. We need to put a spin on it, and we're just going to call it a high yield bond. It sounds much more white glove. So, Josh, explain to our listening audience what is a high yield bond. I mean, it is what it sounds like it is, but let's talk about some characteristics of high yield bonds. Uh, so, in the universe of corporate debt, you have investment grade, uh, and I won't go through the nitty gritty of the. But name. investment grade is triple B and above. Yeah, and then beyond that is you know non investment grade. So you know whether you call it high yield or junk, it's just those companies that are you know of marginal creditworthiness. And, you know, to get money lent to them, of course, they have to pay just like a consumer would. If you're a high-risk consumer borrower, you have to pay a higher rate of interest to your credit card issuer. Uh, and the same dynamic exists in the bond market where, uh, you know, those less credit-worthy companies uh, have to pay a higher rate of interest to their bondholders. So when you look at industries, debt, highly debted industries, they're... They are generally like, you know, the, the credit rating of those companies is lower. Their ability, um, you know, to service their debt uh, might be in question. If we have a recession, they, there's a chance that they default. So they're going to pay a much higher interest rate. And prior to the 1980s, when Michael Milken came along, because what happened was, is, you know, previously to, to Michael Milken, only big, a big company could buy a smaller company. And then Michael Milken comes along and says, no, 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 we're going to let you finance these takeover deals if you're a smaller company with a bunch of uh, high-yield debt. And so these smaller companies were buying these bigger companies, um, sort of the, the biggest one was RJR and Brisco. But uh, when you go back, you know, and so they were issuing tons of high-yield debt, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15% they were paying on their debt, but they were doing these big takeovers and then they conceivably was going to use the cash flow to pay off the, the debt. And so, but prior to Michael Milken, these things were called fallen angels where they might have had an investment grade credit rating and all of a sudden, you know, their business changed or something changed in their business, cash flows fell uh, and their bond prices fell to where a point where they were considered high yield. And so the, the interesting thing, when you look at the high yield universe, durations are generally shorter uh, than most of the rest of the bond market. And they do that for a reason. Like if they, if you bought a high yield bond with a long duration, the yield would have to be extraordinarily high. Um, but when we look at, and so we're not saying that you should go out there right now and buy a high yield bond fund or a high yield ETF. Uh, there might be a time in the not so distant future where you'll be able to do that. Um, when Josh and I look, so I was looking at the high yield bond market this week, there are some equity-like returns right now in the high yield bond market. You have to do a lot of credit research, but we're getting close to a point if you are somebody that's buying individual bonds where you should be considering high yield bonds because the returns in a lot of these things, as, as long as they don't default, remember a bond is, is um, the highest part of the capital structure in a, in a business. So let's say a business uh, goes bankrupt and has to liquidate, bondholders get paid back before anybody else. And so that's why they're lower on the risk spectrum. But, um, you know, when you look at uh, you can get equity stock-like returns in the high-yield bond market right now buying buying individual bonds. And remember, bonds are contractually are a contractual return. So if you buy Google the stock, right, you, there's no contractual return. You're just trying to buy Google's cash flow out into the future at a discounted price, right? And when you buy the stock or you buy the stock market, there's no contractual return. When you buy an individual bond from Apple or from – well, Apple's not a high-yield bond, but from some of these uh, highly levered financial services companies, or energy companies, there is a contractual return between you and the issuer of this bond that they're going to pay you back uh, those those coupons plus your principal back. And so that's why, um, you know, you can get a contractual return, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 percent, which are stock-like returns. Um, you just have to be really careful about doing your credit research. So they are still interest rate sensitive, and that's why we're not telling you to go buy a bond, a high yield bond fund or bond, high yield bond ETF. Josh and I are looking forward to the day when we can allocate money to those to those things. It's not we're not quite there. Um, I think before we buy the ETFs and the mutual funds, we will be buying the individual high yield bonds. But well, is an is an asset class you can. 
almost start to look at again. And if we do have a recession, that's when these things will get really interesting because you'll be able to pick some names with 20 plus percent yields if we have a recession, a la global financial crisis. All right. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the show, <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. You can you, on the beginning of the next segment. You can pick it up. If you would like to be part of the show, give us a call eight seven seven six seven zero seven one one seven, or go to our website northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about strategies to delay taking your Social Security. So stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. Okay, class. So endorphins are a type of neurotransmitter in the body that inhibits transmission of pain signals while also enhancing our immune system and producing a sense of euphoria. Now, can anyone tell me where endorphins are produced? Yes, Bridget. My mom says that endorphins are produced at the ACB. The ACB? You know, the Athletic Club of Bend. All our friends go there, and Mom says that with all the stuff they have to do there, like swimming, tennis, exercise classes, basketball, yoga, cross-fusion, concerts, and even massages, well, it really makes her feel good. Yes, I can see how that would... Plus, I think she really likes all the kids' programs and camps. Well, I guess Mother really does know best. The Athletic Club of Bend. For fitness, for fun, for friends, for family. To get your endorphins flowing, just go to athleticclubofbend.com. Plateau Travel Plaza. Food, fuel, and fun. After a long day and you want to play, get your mind off of the road. Have a great meal, try our slot machines. Life's good on the plateau. Quick stop anytime. Gets you everything under the sun. Life's good on the plateau. Food, fuel, and fun. Food, fuel, and fun? At the Plateau Travel Plaza in Madras, you get food, fuel, and fun all in one fabulous stop. After you fuel up with our low fuel prices, enjoy something fresh from our deli. Shop our store for local crafts and jewelry, travel essentials, electronics, and more. Then have some fun in our game room with 40 of the hottest slot machines and all the rewards you can handle. Life's good on the plateau. Food, fuel, and fun. Hello and happy fall. It's Mike from Highline Homes. And fall does mean it's time to fall in love all over again with your home. If you're not feeling the love for your home, consider building with Highline Homes. Our custom stick-built homes are built from the ground up on your dream property. And we think the many positive reviews we get say it best. We had a very positive experience dealing with the Highline team. Learn more and see virtual tours at HighlineHomes.com. Oregon CCB 181069. Highline Homes. On your lot on time, Bill Wright. A lot of schools talk about training the cybersecurity workforce of the future, but do they really deliver? My Computer Career has been supplying the IT workforce with thousands of skilled, certified pros for 15 years. Train with the experts in support, networking, or cybersecurity and start your career in months, not years. Upskill even faster. On campus or live online, qualified students may get financial aid, including the GI Bill. My Computer Career, accredited, acclaimed, effective. Take the free career evaluation at mycomputercareer.edu. Financial Focus Radio Show is online all the time via iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker. Catch past shows online or by finding us on iTunes. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to sign up for our e-newsletter, go to our website, 
northwestquadrantwealth.com little box will pop up and you can put your info in there and that's the only thing we'll send you uh, it's a video that Josh and I do in the middle and end of every month where we talk about what's going on in markets and how it's affecting your money. So be sure to go to our website and get signed up. So uh, I get Bloomberg Business Week, an uh, actual magazine, a real hard copy magazine in the mail every week. Uh, and there was a really good art- article in their finance section. Um, strategists at Bank of America got their hands on the U.S. bond market data going all the way back to the founding of the country. Uh, and it shows, they say, that uh, never before in our country's history have we seen an extended period of losses in the bond market like we've seen in the last three years. Um, obviously, the pain we've seen in the bond market took down um, some regional banks, Silicon Valley Bank being the biggest, um, and it led to a crisis that Washington policymakers rushed to prop up. This is my this is one of my biggest pet peeves about our government is like they now pick winners and losers. So there was a another bank. There were some banks in the Midwest that uh, had the same problem. Some of them were doing some other things with crypto, but. Um, you know they they didn't they weren't on the west coast or the east coast they weren't in a money center and so they let them fail yet they let these other one, they they propped up to these other ones and so we don't have a free market like the, we're experiencing the consequences of these people that that I I, I want to believe that they're well meaning like the chair the Federal Reserve chairs and the Treasury Department but you can't have a free market in capitalistic society and have as much inter- intervention as they've had over the last twenty years and they all think like oh we know what we're doing this and, Inflation is transient. They don't know any more than the rest of us. They just have way more power and influence, and so they get to do these things that affect literally billions of people. They need to stay out of markets. The Federal Reserve was never meant to have this much impact on the U.S. economy. Uh, at today's rate, uh, the math gets tricky. The government's tab uh, – and as a result, the supply of bonds it needs to sell adds up fast, so fast that it can overwhelm what was long considered insatiable demands for the world's safest investment. There's just way too much debt now. Uh, the vacuum created when, by the central bank's departure in buying bonds is once again empowering the traditional forces in finance, banks, hedge funds, insurance companies um, right now. So that means the bond vigilantes right now, um, they're back to doing their thing, driving bond prices down and yields up and sending a warning to Washington to rein in the deficit and inflation. Washington's clearly not taking that message. Uh, in the years from 2008 to 2020, they were ab- abnormal, even if at some point they came to feel normal. That's the problem is that like that was a very abnormal period in, in this country's history, the world's history. Interest rates um, were at 5,000-year lows. Like uh, Bank of America dug some more, and they, uh, uh, they looked at interest rates globally, and we had never seen interest rates that low in 5,000 years in human history. And so that was the very abnormal period, and so many people in this country think that was normal, and they think that we're going back to it. That's what makes me crazy is like, you know, we're, our offices are above uh, – a giant realtor and mortgage broker, and I know they all think like, "Oh, we can just stick stick it out. Rates are going to go back down, and we can go back to the party." I don't. I, if I were in your shoes, I would be battening down the hatches and planning for that not to happen. But uh, I guess time will tell, and we'll see what happens. Uh, okay, so one of the things that we do with our client base, and we urge people to do that, listen to our show, is delay taking Social Security. So, you know, just to give you the math here quickly, that, you know, most people know, understand that you can start taking Social Security at 62. Um, if you were, so 62 is when you can first start taking it, then there's your full retirement age. Uh, and for different people, it's, it, um, you know, if you were born in 1958, it's 66 and eight months, 1959, it's 66 and 10 months, 1960 or later, it's your full retirement age is 67. So, um, you know, that's when you can work and not be penalized, uh, for, for making as much money as you want. So here, here's the thing, uh, that you, you should know if you're, if you begin taking social security at 62, you your Social Security benefit is going to be 70% of what it would be at 67. Um, Social Security continues to grow by 8% per year. The income you're going to get from Social Security grows by 8% per year every year. Wait till 70. It doesn't grow past 70. But if you wait to 70, uh, you get 124% uh, of what your benefit would be at your full retirement age, assuming it's 67. So waiting to 67 when you can get a, a, an income stream guaranteed by the full faith and credit of the United States government that grows by 8% a year, I don't know of a better guarantee. I don't think Josh does. Um, and so what we tell people is that, you know, 
don't take it at 62 for sure. If you're going to, you know, I guess the worst case scenario, take it at 67. But we really want people to take it at 70. And, you know, life expectancies continue to rise, right? So for for women, they're longer and then men are a little bit less. But life expectancies continue to rise. And so if you can continue to get an increase of 8% in your income every year you wait, why wouldn't you do that? So, Josh, talk well, there's a couple things you can do. I'll tell real quickly for you, baby boomers. We need you in the workforce. So one thing you can do is keep working. That would help the U.S. economy. Come on, be patriotic and stay in the workforce. I think those fiscal it'll, it'll increase your benefit, but it'll also help the U.S. economy. Those fiscal sustainability issues, sort of, you know, on the U.S. government's balance sheet, feed into this, you know, desperation to maybe take the benefit in so many. Of course, of course, like, of course. And, you it's know, not going to be there. Of there? course, there's that, you know, that, as part of that Social Security statement that you get, you know, it shows you the, you know, there's that back page that has the, you know, what the benefit would be in the event of cuts and insolvency. And, you know, the idea of that separate trust fund, you know, we laugh about it, but, you know, it's the third rail of politics, of course, is entitlements. But uh, for so many people out there, they let that fear, you know, delay or they let that fear sort of get in the way of. Uh, the math and the longevity thing is ultimately what breaks for me is when you look at longevity stats, you know, you're going to win because you're going to break even. And yeah, I mean, you just have to live a little past 80 to, to, to win. So, but Josh, explain to our audience, you know, what we, how we counsel our clients to delay taking social security, the strategies that we employ with them uh, so that they can delay it. If you have uh, some version of a Roth or a taxable account that, you know, it does, they can have any kind of retirement. It's account. better. It's better if it can come from there because, you know, there's not as much tax liability associated with, you know, taking distributions from your retirement accounts. Of course, you have to pay ordinary income tax. So your distributions to get to the same net number have to be bigger. Uh, but the idea is that you use some combination of your existing retirement or taxable accounts uh, to try to get you to the number uh, that's going to make up for the shortfall, at least in the near term. And then later, uh, you know, once you've turned on your Social Security benefit at that elevated uh, elevated amount, you know, with not only 88%, but those built-in cost of living adjustments, you know, 3.2% 3, 3 for 2024, then you lower your retirement account distributions, let your uh, retirement accounts replenish themselves and live off that Social Security benefit. And the idea is that, you know, in the latter half of your life or the latter portion of your life, uh, those retirement accounts will balloon because the distribution uh, demands that you put on them are so much lower. So think about it this way. If you're, you know, you're going to need to take, uh, when you start collecting Social Security, you're going to be taking 4% of your retirement assets. But in order to get to the higher Social Security number, you have to take 6% or 6.5% of your retirement assets for a period of time. It allows you to then, uh, you know, shut that number down to that four percent or lower, so that, like Josh said, your, your retirement assets can grow. We think it makes a huge amount of sense. You don't have to wait till seventy. We always tell our clients we can review this every year, and if you really want to change your mind, you can. But every year you wait, remember it's going to grow by eight percent. So we just think it makes way too much sense. The math is the math, and you can't really argue with it um, unless you you know something about when you're going to die. And as Charlie Munger said, "Tell me where I'm going to die, and I just won't I think go." It's there. also super important to realize where you're generating the money from within that account. That's a really important thing to consider when taking these types of distributions. All right. If you want to take us up on a free retirement view, we'll give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office 800-743-0988 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on YouTube or NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Plaza, food, fuel, and fun. 
After a long day and you want to play, get your mind off of the road. Have a great meal, try your slot machines. Life's good on the plateau. Quick stop anytime, gets you everything under the sun. Life's good on the plateau. Food, fuel, and fun. Food, fuel, and fun? At the Plateau Travel Plaza in Madras, you get food, fuel, and fun all in one fabulous stop. After you fuel up with our low fuel prices, enjoy something fresh from our deli. Shop our store for local crafts and jewelry, travel essentials, electronics, and more. Then have some fun in our game room with 40 of the hottest slot machines and all the rewards you can handle. Life's good on the Plateau. Food, fuel, and fun. Fall has arrived in Central Oregon and there's no better time to head outdoors. Locally owned Finn and Fire has everything to get you dialed in on the water and in the woods. If you're a big game hunter, check out the huge assortment of Sitka gear and Mystery Ranch, including the popular Stone Glacier apparel and packs. Protect your feet while keeping them warm and comfortable. Finn and Fire has the best selection of crispy hunting boots in the region, including insulated models for those cold, crisp days ahead. If you need a new hunting or everyday carry knife, our Benchmade case is full and new models arrive every week. And fishing season is still going strong. The Lower Deschutes is open for steelhead. Set up a guided trip with us. Find a new rod or just ask for some good old-fashioned advice. Fin and Fire is Central Oregon's go-to fly fishing store. Fin and Fire, across from Safeway on Highway 97 in Redmond or online at finandfire.com. Fin and Fire is a fly shop unlike any other. Hey there, CO. This is Christy from the Cosmic Depot. After three decades of being a shopkeeper here in Bend, I do believe it is true what Starseed David Bowie said. Time may change me, but I can't trace time. I can trace the stories of the lives of my customers, the gifts they have given to their loves and the gifts they have given themselves. I can trace the support I have received from our community and the helping hands that have kept Cosmic Depot's doors open for such a great many years. The Cosmic Depot is open to the changes that time has made so that you may find a rewarding cosmic experience awaits anew still after all these years. Whatever you are on a mission for, incense, essential oils, beads, candles, herbs, the thoughtful little gift, a crystal for your pocket, or a sweet silver locket, Cosmic Depot may have it, and certainly it will be fun looking around for it. The Cosmic Depot is open daily at 342 Northeast Clay in Bend. Hello and happy fall. It's Mike from Highline Homes and fall does mean it's time to fall in love all over again with your home. If you're not feeling the love for your home, consider building with Highline Homes. Our custom stick-built homes are built from the ground up on your dream property and we think the many positive reviews we get say it best. We had a very positive experience dealing with the Highline team. Learn more and see virtual tours at HighlineHomes.com. Oregon CCB 181069. Highline Homes. On your lot, on time, right. Major phone carriers make you sign contracts with rigid data plans to trap you into a kind of forced phonogamy. Sounds pretty insecure if you ask me. At Consumer Cellular, we believe in a more consensual and healthy form of phonogamy, free of contracts and more flexible to your data needs. This way, you stick around not because we force you to with contracts and fees, but because you love our phone plans. Like ardently love our phone plans. Phonogamously. Consumer Cellular. When Freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. The mission is clear. Give honest, transparent analysis and actionable advice every week. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube and get our twice-monthly e-newsletter. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he's Josh Finelli, and we're partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Weather's been fabulous this week. I know we're due for a change, but it's certainly I've been enjoying it. Uh, so I don't know if anybody saw this, but according to Mortgage News Daily, uh, which tracks mortgage rates all over the place, Freddie Mac, MBA, FH, FHFA, uh, the average 30-year fixed rate mortgage on Friday hit 8.03%. That's the highest since 2000. Uh, I will say 
that obviously, you know, people, I, I listen to CNBC or whatever, Bloomberg, and, the, and they're talking about rates are so high. And it's like, well, I don't think anybody in 2000 thought mortgage rates were extraordinarily high. I, I remember that, you know, I bought my first house back then and I didn't, you know, I didn't think that it was abnormal. I just thought that's where rates are. And so um, it's the velocity of rate movement that is catching everybody off guard. But if you look back in the history of interest rates in the United States and the history of mortgage rates in the United States, the the rates where they are now aren't extraordinarily high. Now, it's for a lot of people that, that they're like, what are you talking about? Well, you haven't been paying attention. The other thing is most people don't realize the 30-year mortgage is not this old thing that's been around since forever. I mean, most people didn't borrow uh, tons of money to buy their house, you know, way back when, maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago. I mean, it wasn't, and, and obviously the the ability to borrow money changed the uh, valuation in the housing market. Well, but, you know, in Europe, they do like the 50s, 50-year mortgages. Brilliant. Yeah, because Europe has it all figured out. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, you know, the equilibrium will be found, of course. It's just that... Uh, well, it will take, as long as the Fed lets it be found. Yeah, that, that, that is a huge caveat, of course, because that reflexive – there's this reflexive memory in markets and housing is just one, you know, one corollary of that. But this reflexive belief that rates will snap back to uh, where they've been, that recency bias is a powerful phenomenon. But where rates are now is not abnormal and that's what people need to get – you know, if you just look at the history of interest rates and the history of mortgage rates, these are not abnormal times. The period that we just went through, that was very abnormal. And so that's what you need to adjust your thinking to. This is the new reality. Uh, you know, rates could bounce around, but I don't think they're going back to anything like we saw. The big picture thing that no one – it's not talked about because it's so such an esoteric idea, but just the whole notion that low interest rates subsidized, you know, a lot of non-profitable – not non-profitable, but you, endeavors with zero utility. Non-economic. Yeah, I mean, not and all of those businesses, and you think about all these venture capitalists that are endowed as geniuses now that <laughs> essentially just resold crappy businesses on back and forth to each other and created these vast fortunes on the back of non-economic businesses, and capital didn't go to the places that it needed to go because of the manipulation that was going on in markets, and we're all going to be better off. It's just this whether or not we can well, take our but here's the problem. Get, get, guess who, who guess who paid for those vast fortunes all of us american taxpayers because we just levered our future i mean that's the reality of it we just sort of you know put the ton of debt into the system and and some people you know you look at how quickly uh money gets to the the billionaires in this country now and i'm not blaming them but it's just the, a fact like it just flows through to their their balance sheets so quickly all right this comes from morningstar uh morningstar look at 10-year annualized return of individual investors versus different fund categories. Um, so in sector equity, so a sector equity fund is going to be like a financial or healthcare or technology. These are more volatile. Traditionally, the 10-year return for the average investor was 6.4%. The, to- the f- average return for the f- fund was 108 for a difference of 4.5% almost per year. Huge difference. Uh, and why is that? And then a- I can look at U.S. equity. Uh, investor return over the last decade in average U.S. equity fund uh, was about 10%. Uh, the fund's total return was 11.77 for over 1.5% difference in return per year. And why is that? It's for behavioral reasons, right? So people get into a fund after it's done really well, and then generally it rolls over and doesn't do well and vice versa. So people, um, it, it's their behavior that is the reason that they lag uh, the most investments uh, most of the time. Your most important factor in your investment returns are going to be your behavior, not where you're investing your money. All right, let's tackle some email questions. This doesn't say who it's from. Uh, It says, we're just getting to the age where mandatory distributions from our retirement accounts have to start. We don't need the additional cash as we have great pensions. Congratulations. If we convert to Roth IRAs, will the amount in the Roth be subject to the minimum required distributions going forward? Will our heirs have to pay any taxes on the money in a Roth account when inherited? So what this person is talking about is um, converting some of their traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Uh, 
So the good news is Roth IRAs don't have a required minimum distribution. The reason the required minimum distribution exists is, remember, um, when you put the money in, it went on a pre-tax basis. So that money has never been taxed. It grew tax-deferred. And so they want you to take it out so they can tax it. The government says we need that tax revenue. Um, And so you, you know how a Roth works. That money goes in after tax, it grows tax deferred and comes out tax free. So the government doesn't care. Uh, so that's why they don't impose those required minimum distributions on a Roth IRA because they have no benefit. They're not going to get any tax revenue. Um, in terms of your beneficiaries, they have the same deal. They're not going to have to pay taxes um, on that uh, that money that you convert. Just know, <coughs> excuse me, when you convert money from your traditional IRA to a Roth, Every penny that you convert is going to be taxed as ordinary income, and so make sure you talk to your accountant and say, like, whatever the amount you're going to convert, you have a discussion and you know what that looks like from a tax perspective. And then if you're going to do that, make sure you're not taking the money from the IRA. You're taking the money from some bank account or taxable account. And remember, the the, the deal here is the people that are going to benefit the most because you're – 73, obviously, are going to be your beneficiaries. So as long as you understand that, you're not going to probably benefit as much as your beneficiaries unless you live a long, long time. Uh, then I'd say, I guess, go for it. Your beneficiaries, that's going to be great money for them. Uh, this comes from uh, Jim and Ben. Jim says, concerning children getting an inherited IRA, because I'm in that situation, is the attorney for the estate required to include tax information with the distributions, or is it up to my accountant to sort things out? And since I don't really need the money right now, would I have options as to how I receive the funds to avoid a tax hit? So what Jim is talking about is Jim is the beneficiary of a traditional IRA. Uh, and so he's wondering uh, if the attorney is going to deal with the taxes. Uh, no, Jim. I mean, I don't know why the attorney would. So here's what happens, Jim. Uh, you, you, most likely this person was in the required minimum distribution phase of their life. So you have to take that money out in the next 10 years. So um, that money is taxed as ordinary income to you. So most people, what Jim is referring to, I think, is that he thinks it's part of an estate. And so the attorney is going to deal with the estate taxes. Um, but in, in traditional IRA, um, all that matters so that the attorney or whoever is the executor of this estate will have dealt with the estate taxes, hopefully. Um, and then the traditional IRA that you're inheriting that you have to take out over 10 years is going to then be taxable to you at ordinary income. And so um, I would say, Jim, the best way to go about doing it is either you're, you can do it, you know, wait for the 10 years to go by and take it out on de- before December 31st of the 10th year and pay taxes on the whole amount of its ordinary income. Or maybe a better strategy, Jim, would be to take out one-tenth per year to spread that tax liability over that 10-year period so you're not uh, overly burdened with the tax hit. Because, you know, that tax liability for a lot of people, it goes on top of your other I- income. So let's say, Jim, you make 150000 and your you know, the amount you have to take out of your IRA, this IRA is another 100000 or 150000 Now your ordinary income is 300000 uh, And so obviously that's going to change your tax situation. And so make sure that you understand what you're doing because every penny, Jim, that you take out of this IRA is going to be taxed as ordinary income to you. So you used to be able to stretch this money out over your lifetime, but as part of CARES Act uh, under the Trump administration, they said, nope, you have to take this money out over 10 years because we need that tax revenue. Uh, unfortunately, if they had just let the stretch provision persist, they would have actually gotten more money over time, but they're very short-sighted in Washington, and they really need that money. So um, that is the situation. So no, Jim, in your case, the attorney is not going to deal with the taxes on the inherited IRA or traditional IRA because he or she is going to have the taxes that they deal with or the executor of this estate is going to be the estate tax and that the taxes that are due at that level. So hopefully that answers your question. All right, if you'd like to take one of us up on a free retirement review, we'll give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life, your portfolio, your asset allocation, your estate plan, whatever you want to talk about is fair game. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, give us a call, 800 800- Seven four three zero nine eight eight, or an email us by going to our website northwestquadrantwealth.com when we come back we'll tackle one last segment of email so stick around get your free one hour retirement review meet with a northwest quadrant wealth management investment advisor today for free it's our offer to you as a listener to the show give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review 800-743-0988 Again, 800-743-0988. 
Cracked concrete patios are unsightly and they're unsafe. Let Terra Firma Foundation Systems restore your sinking or separating concrete patios, steps, and slabs. Click GoTerraFirma.com and schedule a free evaluation. That's GoTerraFirma.com. We love it here, and we think you will too. Welcome to Alpine Meadows. Beautifully kept landscaping, Alpine Meadows has one-bedroom apartments and two- and three-bedroom townhomes that include washer and dryer, beautiful decks, patios, and designer kitchens. Alpine Meadows is conveniently located next to the Dallas-California Highway and minutes away from Orchard Park's nature trails, a place proud to call home. Google Alpine Meadows townhomes, professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. You enjoy the quiet life, but... You like being close to the action. Living that fits you is at Mountain Glen Apartments, located five minutes away from the Bend River Promenade and downtown area. Mountain Glen's units feature designer oak cabinets, and their two- and three-bedroom units come with washer and dryer hookups. Relax with mountain views from your patio or deck. Mountain Glen Apartments Bend, corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. The most weather, the most traffic, the most news. Every morning, 5 to 9, only on News Talk 1110 KVND. My name is Opal, and I am the birthstone for October. I am known as the Queen of Gems because I am so colorful. I am literally nature's kaleidoscope. I have many sides to my personality. I can be a white, snowy landscape dotted with fireflies of red, blue, and green. Or I can be a black knight streaked with rainbow lightning. You can find me in nearly every corner of the world, including here at home in Oregon and Nevada. But my most prized gems come from down under in Australia. Sadly, many of you are afraid to wear my gems because some silly author centuries ago wrote a book and said some awful things about me, calling me bad luck. But I've outlived him, and today I am revered for my multicolored beauty and mesmerizing patterns. You can find amazing opal jewelry from Central Oregon and abroad at Satterley Jewelry Repair and Design Center on 5th and Fur in Redmond or SatterleyJewelers.com. Consider the stone. When one gets a stone in their shoe, it creates a world of hurt. Ouch. But when natural stone is used to create a wall or a patio, well, that's a world of beauty. Let our experts at Basilite take your ideas and help you make magic. Basilite is your one-stop shop for natural stone, pavers, retaining walls, and hardscape materials. Basilite, exceptional products and service. Locally owned in Redmond since 1980 and at the right price. Remember, don't fight it, Basilite it. Looking for a dentist you can see on the weekends? Denture Artistry Implants, Crowns, and Veneers is now open weekends. They understand it's hard to take time from work and emergencies happen. Denture Artistry is now booking appointments for Saturday and Sundays for routine hygiene needs, dental emergencies, and for the most advanced dental procedures like full mouth implants or teeth in a day. Denture Artistry is here to help get your mouth to optimal health. Call today or find them online at DentureArtistry.com. your free retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Call us today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. So, uh, last week, uh, Charlie Bolello, who Josh and I uh, follow regularly, he's one of the, you know, we, Josh and I have determined that there's like seven people in in the whole United or whole the whole world that create original content on the internet in the financial services space, and this guy Charlie Bolello is one of them. <laughs> I think that another one is uh, Morgan Housel. Those are the two that I figured that like I can't figure out that they've stolen it from anybody, um, but like these two guys. So Charlie Bolello did a uh, Zoom meeting with Y Charts. Y Charts sponsored it last week, and they just went through. Um, I think it was like 18 or 20 charts that every retail investor should know about and should understand. Uh, and so I participated in the Zoom meeting. It was really good. Uh, I under, sort of, I now sort of understand why Charlie Bellello is mostly uh, sending out tweets and then stuff on the Internet. He's, he's, he's kind of boring to listen to. He's sort of monotone and uh, not really animated, but it doesn't change the fact that he puts out a ton of good stuff. 
Um, so he put out this chart, and the title of the chart is Reasons to Sell. Uh, and it's a chart of the S&P 500 going back to 1990, and it includes all the recessions we've had since 1990. So there's been one, two, three, four. We're probably in one now, five. Um, and it looks at, you know, the all, and then he puts on all these big historical events that happened around the world in 1991, dissolution of the Soviet Union, uh, Alan Greenspan, irrational exuberance, Asian financial crisis, the long-term capital uh, debacle, Clinton gets impeached, dot-com bubble bursts, introduction of the euro, September 11th, uh, Lehman Brothers files for bankruptcy, all, you know, on and on and on. And so I'm looking at this chart, and it's like these are the reasons uh, to sell. Like a lot of people would use these as reasons to sell, as we talked about earlier in the show, uh, like the war in the Middle East or the war in Ukraine, reasons to sell. But I also would say these are the reasons a lot of people use as the reason not to buy. Um, but when you look at what the S&P – did over that period. When you look at this chart, it was up 2,390% over that period, the S&P was. And there were a lot of reasons not to be in the market or reasons to sell the market. But if you just stayed in the S&P, your returns were 2,390%. Tell me where else you would have gotten that return uh, where you didn't have to do anything. <clears throat> not many places. It's, it's so easy. Investing is being a successful investor. It's so great because it's so easy. It's literally the reason Josh and I do it. <laughs> yeah, it's so flipping easy. But shh, don't tell our wives because they think we're grinding all day long. And all we do is we sit and watch the market do all the heavy lifting. I know what Tim's thinking. All right, we j we got an email from Chris. <laughs> Uh, should a financial advisor, Josh, you can answer this. Should a financial advisor ask me for my risk tolerance, then invest accordingly, or do they use their own proven strategy? Well, you know, suitability requires that they sort of ask you what your risk tolerance is and invest accordingly. But, uh, you know, there's this huge dissonance between what people think their risk tolerance is or what they uh, represent it to be when they're doing some boilerplate survey from Riskalyze or one of these services that most advisory firms utilize, but versus like actual, the actual, actual experiential aspect of how do people react in a sell-off. And, you know, that's a difficult proposition from the perspective of being an advisor is, you know, discerning what that actually is based on people's, it, what they tell you, because it's so often different depending on what's actually going on in the market. Yeah, I mean, so here's what I'd say about that. Yeah, yes, it all like your returns are dependent on the advisor managing the money based on your tolerance for risk and your situation. Because what the worst thing that can happen is that you know you are the advisor says, "Oh no, we like equities, so we're going to have ninety percent of your money in equities." Stocks, equities, stocks sell off, uh, you know, thirty percent, and you sell out somewhere near the bottom, and then. You, your you know your chances of making money in the future are really low and so um that's sort of the worst case scenario and unfortunately it gets practiced like it, you know somebody will come in and, and an advisor says this is the box these people fit in so that's how i'm going to invest their money and it's the worst 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 thing you can do and but it's prevalent throughout the industry i mean I, even here when i got here um the guy that was running our business he's no longer with us but he uh you know, had been in the business forever uh, since I before I was born, and he just literally imposed his risk tolerance. He just said, "This is what I think." You know, we never had that conversation. I would sit in a meeting with a new client, and I'd be like, "Wait, when are we going to have the risk tolerance conversation?" And it never came up. And then he'd just invest their money, and so it was dangerous because then we had the global financial crisis, and <clears throat> their behavior was like, "I can't take this level of volatility," and it was a disaster. And so that's that's really like one of the most important deliverables your financial advisor should be giving you is like matching your tolerance for volatility and your life circumstance with your portfolio if they're just saying you know you're 48 years old you, you know you're married with kids and and you know blah 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 this is the box this is your allocation and that that's just such a dangerous way to do it and like Josh said the SEC really it's doesn't want them to be doing it that way all right uh, this email is from Daniel. Daniel says, my retirement savings were wiped out in market changes over the last couple of years. I am planning on working for about five more years. What investments do you have? What should you make this late in the game? 
Well, so the question I the biggest thing whenever that happens is like your investments were wiped out. Like the market was down, but it's like this bear market. So last year in, in 2022, the S and P was down 22 percent, which is technically you know by definition a bear market. Bear markets are 20 percent or more, but it was nothing like the global financial crisis or the tech telecom media bubble where markets lost you know 54, 58 uh, percent depending on what index. You know that Nasdaq was down 80 percent. Uh, those markets were way, way worse than the most recent sell off, and there were parts of the market that actually were held up relatively well. So the big question I have is, like, where in the heck were you invested? Uh, you know, especially if you're late in the, you're five years from retirement, like, w- were you doing your sell? Like, that just boggles my the mind. You were S- buying things that could go to zero. S&P's down like <coughs> 4% over the last two years. Dude, it's, that's, yeah, that's so, rough. Yeah. So, it, so, you know, obviously, you know, you, this is the problem that a lot of people, this is a mistake a lot of people make is they say, okay, I have to catch up. So I'm going to be overly aggressive uh, because I have to catch up. And the problem is, you know, then you, you compound your situation where you're just losing more money. And so, you know, I, I mean, since you're st- the total market, like if you look at the returns of the total stock market going back 100 years, they're fabulous, but they don't get there in a straight line. And so, you know, chances are you probably sold somewhere near the bottom. Um, so probably the bigger thing in your situation, unless you're buying things like esoteric cryptocurrencies and some of this stuff, assuming you're buying, you know, indexes, your biggest problem probably is your your psychology, your your behavior, and how you're reacting to market sell-off. So, the best thing for you to do is invest the money in a total market index like a VTI or SPY, and never look at it. Literally, just set it up to automatically invest because you're not investing to to then spend all the money in retirement. It's for the rest of your life. So, invest the money there or a balance fund, and literally don't look at it. Maybe if you look at it, look at it once a year on Christmas, uh, but don't do anything. So that's that's my advice to you is it's probably more your behavior than anything else. All right, that is our show this week. Remember, buy low, sell high. We'll see you next week. to partners of Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management on the radio show, Financial Focus. Remember, you can email or call with your questions anytime during the week. Visit northwestquadrantwealth.com for more information. See you next week on Financial Focus. Any opinions expressed herein are given in good faith and are subject to change without notice and are only correct at the stated date of issue. Past performance is not always indicative of future results. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Securities, financial instruments, or strategies mentioned may not be suitable for all investors. Prices, values, or income from an investment mentioned in this report may fall against the interest of the investor, and the investor may get back less than the amount invested. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as a recommendation of particular securities, financial instruments, or strategies to you. Before acting on any recommendation on this material, you should consider whether it's suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice.